Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Well, hello and welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. I'm Bree James, and today's episode is all about raising girls who like themselves. Really big, important issue. Uh, you know, research shows that something more than 55% of Australian girls between seven and nine years old are dissatisfied with their body. Now, I am really floored by this statistic, and I'm sure it's as shocking to you as it is to me, but how can we change this for our young girls today? And what is causing these distressing thoughts at such a young age where they should be just so happy and delightful and you know not worrying about things like that so i'm going to chat to international best-selling author casey edwards and her husband dr christopher scanlon about the importance of raising girls who like themselves so i can't wait for this discussion let's get them on zoom it's time to get to class so According to statistics, 55% of Australian girls between eight and nine are dissatisfied with their body. That's such a shocking statistic. Um, Why is that? Yeah, look, it absolutely breaks our heart. We have heard stories from parents, four separate parents told us the very similar story that their little girls aged six and seven want to cut off the rolls on their stomach with scissors. And it absolutely breaks our heart that these little girls whose heads should be filled with, you know, unicorns and fairy dust have this intolerable hatred of their body. And there's a couple of things going on. And we think that the advice that parents get to build their daughter's body confidence is very often wrong. Not only is it not part of the solution, it's actually part of the problem. So we are told that you can build up someone's body confidence by telling them over and over again that they're beautiful. But the thing is, I mean, first of all, let's think about how that worked for us. You know, we have, as grown women, have been told thousands of times that we should love the skin we're in. Social media is full of memes about loving our bodies, but yet many grown women do not have good body image, right? So if it didn't work for us, why on earth would this approach work for our girls? So what we talk about in our book is rather when you talk to a girl constantly about beauty and her appearance she will naturally assume that it is really important and you say it enough and she will assume that it is the most important thing about her at the same time what's going on is that we have a standard of beauty that a girl can never achieve in in today's society no one is ever going to be beautiful enough So we're setting our girls up to fail here. We make them believe that their beauty is the most important thing about them and yet have a standard of beauty they can never reach. So it's no wonder that girls are in in crisis because they feel like they're failing at the thing that matters about them most. So obviously a lot of this is coming through social influence, advertising, marketing, messaging and things like that. Should we, you know, what's the solution here? Yeah, so there's a few things that we can do. Now, first of all, I think it is a mistake just to blame social media because I think that's what that's the first go-to. Now, those stories of those six and seven-year-old girls, they're not on Instagram, right? You know, so these problems are happening outside of social media. Social media certainly is not helping. But one of the things that we can do 
as parents is to reduce the importance of beauty in our girls' lives. And that is really the key to body confidence. So when our girls inevitably wish for different physical characteristics, you know, wish I had a different nose or longer legs or whatever, we want them to go, oh, well, I've got other things to do right now and not let it define them. And the way that we do that is help them build their identity on a firmer foundation than other people's perceptions of their beauty. So what we do in our house is we don't talk about beauty. We don't talk about how our girls look, how we look, how anyone looks. Because I mean, even though our girls know that we think they're beautiful, they also know that it's just not important to us. And we have had to have very difficult conversations with some family members about getting them to stop critiquing our daughter's beauty and also talking about other people in terms of bodies. So our parents, for example, they are both from the generation where they talk about almost everyone in terms of weight. And so we've had to ask them to please stop having these conversations in front of our girls because we just don't want them to think that that's what matters to be a girl. I think another big part of this as well is I think, you know, there's been a whole debate for at least 10 years, 20 years about, you know, the childhood obesity epidemic and we keep being told about that. And I think one of the solutions that we've come up as a society is well, let's go and educate kids about healthy foods, good foods, bad foods. And so we've, we've had come, you know, our, um, when she was five and, and six, come home and ask, you know, just randomly about, is this a healthy food? Is this a good food? And she's picking up in, you know, from usually public health campaigns that have gone into the schools and I think even into childcare. And we're giving these messages in to children who are not really able to necessarily understand all the nuances around food. So they, and, it, we've, and we've seen, at, you know, at, at school, the lunchbox police, you know, where teachers will actually come around and talk about, you know, what they have in their lunchbox. And so the kids come home with this kind of idea about good and bad food, healthy, unhealthy food. And I think they, there's no nuance around that. There's no, uh, you know, uh, they just think, well, that's just bad. You shouldn't have it because it's bad. But we try and talk about, you know, sometimes food and everyday food. And so to try and take it away from good and bad, um, you know, and, it's, and to say that you, you can have that food, but uh, you need to eat a range of food, obviously. But we kind of, you know, that's not to say that you can never have that food or it's bad. It's just part of, a, a normal natural you know growing up the other part of that is to uh have kids uh to realize that you know they just have to eat a, a range of food and the, the thing when you say this people often jump on you and then say oh you're advocating unhealthy lifestyles well no we're not we're just trying to say the current approach isn't working we need a different approach and let's try this instead seen this play out in really unhealthy ways I'll give you an example um, the food messaging went on at school about good food bad food and then a group of girls came over to our house for a play date and as we were walking um, into our house our next door neighbor gave the girls a tub of fairy floss now it wouldn't have been our choice but anyway the fairy floss and so some of the girls including our daughter started eating the fairy floss and one girl said I won't eat that that's bad I'll have a carrot instead like, sure. So we're cutting up this carrot for this child. 
Meanwhile, the other kids who'd had some of the fairy floss, they went off and played Lego. You know, the, it was just food to them. And this other girl, she hung around the table. And when she thought we weren't looking, she ate the fairy floss. And she ended up eating probably more than the other kids. But what it was for her, it wasn't just food. It was a test of her character and one that she failed. You know, like most adults don't have the willpower not to eat something yummy in front of them. And to set kids up like that is just setting them up to fail. Yeah, and it's interesting because we are having a lot of children with food issues um, and that whole good-bad is really uh, quite prolific at that young age. Uh, and I guess bring it back to body, um, their bodies, you know, I guess they are thinking if I eat that, I'm going to be fat. That's right. Or I mean, um, if I eat bad food, I'm bad. And then they don't have the willpower not to eat it, so then they feel bad. Mm. So how can parents help their child become more confident in their body because you know I guess I've got sons you've got daughters but I think it's you know we're talking a lot about girls today but the messaging out there and you are right people always talking about appearances uh, with their children uh, and children notice appearances of other people as well you know how can we get them to be more confident and accepting of their own bodies mm -hmm. well start with make your home a safe haven where bodies are accepted how they are right now. You know, we don't allow the advertising for liposuction and, you know, <laughs> collagen into our house. We don't, our kids, we don't watch TV with ads because we don't want them to see that either. And that's really easy now with TV streaming. Um, we never talk, I never talk about the things I don't like about my body. And the thing is, you know, body image is not great it's better than what it was but it's not great but my girls don't need to know that they don't need to know and assume that part of being a woman is a hating your body so they would never see me stand on scales they would never hear me comment about how I wished I looked different in an outfit or whatever it's just not part of our conversation we also talk a lot about the girls that bodies come in different shapes and sizes you know we can't all be greyhounds some people are just born to be bull terriers, you know, and the whole idea is to be the healthiest and the best version of, this, of, of what you are rather than trying to be something that you're not. I think the other part of that also is to really focus on what bodies can do. So to really celebrate your daughter's, you know, efforts in going out there, having a go, um, and, you know, when she's being active and whatever, really making it a, like that's kind of what you want. That's kind of, you know, that giving that praise for effort uh, and going out there and just doing it. And just, you know, that subtle messaging around how wonderful and magic your body is, that it can do all of these things. So that becomes the focus. And, you know, the, the, the other messaging will take care of itself. So I think our job as parents is to really get out in there and kind of send a whole lot of other messages around what their bodies can do. And there's a real shift in the way we talk about exercise around the tween years. You know, when kids are young, they do exercise because it's fun and it's enjoyable. But then you get to tween and teen and into adulthood and exercise becomes a punishment for women because we ate the extra piece of cake or we don't have the body we think we should. And, you know, what kid is going to want to exercise when it's positioned to them rather than just the joy and the fun of being alive and moving their bodies. 
Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's an interesting shift where it becomes, yeah, I have had that extra piece of chocolate. I'm going to have to do extra walks around the, around the block. Um, so you talk about seven characteristics that a girl must have in order to like herself. What are they? Okay. Do you want to... Back and forth on this. Back and forth. <laughs> is that a power perspective? And power perspective is really about getting your daughter to uh, see the world, because it's a perspective, see the world in a way that works for her rather than against her. It's about her being an actor in the world. So just to give you an example of that. So we talk to our girls about how feelings don't just happen to you. You might, you might think that you're walking down the street and suddenly a bad feeling like lands on you. That's not how it works. A thought happens first and then a feeling happens. And if we can get better at managing our thoughts, we can get better at having better feelings. And an example for that of that was um, our oldest daughter was unwrapping her birthday presents. And as she was unwrapping them, our youngest daughter broke one of them. So of course there were tears and our natural instinct as parents was to come in and like say, oh, we'll get you another toy, don't worry. But that wouldn't have built her power perspective. So what we said to Violet was, yes, it is very disappointing that your toy is broken, but we can't fix this. What we can do is you can choose how you wanna feel about it. You can focus on the broken toy and feel miserable for the rest of the day, or you can focus on all the lovely things that have happened today, your party or your other friends and that came to the party and gave you presents and all the people who loved you. And then you can have a good day. And that's your power. You can, you can choose that. The other one is body confidence. So focus on body, what bodies can do, not how they appear. And that's sort of, you know, just again, going back to kids really enjoying the activities that are involved, involved in um, and, you know, just, that, that sense of play and kind of really just doing things for the joy of it, moving their bodies for the joy of it. And it really comes down to how important beauty is in a girl's identity. So we have interviewed different girls, very similar looking girls. You know, one has, is crippled by body insecurity and body hatred. The other one's just getting on with her life. And the difference between those two is how important they think beauty is to whether or not they're a good and worthwhile person. Body ownership. Uh, so our rule is that if it's not permanent and it's not harmful, then she gets to decide. So if she doesn't want to kiss or hug grandpa, that's fine. That's her choice. It might be a little bit awkward, but that's her choice. And or to take an example we recently had, um, our youngest decided to cut her hair in the night. Uh, and there'll be clumps of hair all over the floor. Um, with, oh, no. with my scissors too, I should add. And again, I had to say, you know, I had, was first of all concerned because I thought, hey, hang on, your hair's falling out. There must be something wrong. And then realised actually she'd cut it. And then I thought, and she was a bit worried because she thought she was in trouble. And I said, no, it's your hair. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, wouldn't be our choice necessarily but it's her choice. So she gets to decide. So that's, you know, and just sort of saying to your, your daughter in particular that, you know, it's your body, you get to decide. I mean, it's not permanent, not harming other people, then it's up to you. Because what happens as girls get older is that their parents' voice is going to be replaced by other people's voices. It's going to be peer pressure, boyfriends, advertising industry, beauty industry, sleazy bosses or whatever. So we need to 
help our girls learn in and practice in a safe environment that to enforce their own boundaries and make their own decisions about their bodies. So when they do face situations that are more threatening, they will be better prepared to look after themselves. And people usually hear that one and they, they'll go, oh, yes, but you, you're equating grand, grandma or grandpa to sleazy boyfriend. No, that's not the point. The point is that we're focusing on body autonomy, not the feelings of how others feel about you know, their behaviour. Uh, so it's really about that autonomy that they feel that they have control and practising that in just everyday life. So it's not a new thing when they suddenly hit you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, but they've actually got that grounding. We We've spoken so... about consent on this podcast before, and it is true. I think children need to be taught about consent of their own bodies, but also so that they get consent from others as well. So uh, it's really, really important, I agree. Because yeah. we're so critical of teenage girls for sending the nude selfie or, you know, letting things go too far sexually or whatever, but yet their whole lives they've actually been taught that they should be doing things with their body to make other people feel more comfortable, you know? And at what point are they supposed to learn this lesson if we don't help them learn it and practice it? Mm -hmm. uh, mastering independence. So that's really about, um, rather than telling girls that they're awesome, um, we, we argue that, you know, as a self-esteem move, movement taught us, it's, we believe that real self-esteem comes from encouraging girls to try, struggle, fail, get back up and try again. So it's really having a go. And a really good example of this is when a child rides a bike themselves for the first time. Like it is such a profound moment in a kid's life. And what makes it so special is that they have to do it themselves. We can't do it for them. And before they did it, they failed, they struggled, and then they succeeded. And that is the start of real self-esteem and real confidence. Uh, so calm, this is about giving our girls downtime to get to know themselves and who they are. It's, and it's without constantly being measured or engaged in adult-led activities. And one of the, thing, the thing, big challenges we have here is overscheduling of our girls because we want to give them all the opportunities in the world. Uh, but at the same time, we're often engaging them in sort of, you know, activities where they're measured, where they're policed, where they're uh, there's all these metrics around whether they performed or not. And they don't really ever get to the, the downtime to kind of go, what do they actually want to do? Who, who are they? So it's allowing them to get to know themselves. And that, that may, uh, you know, just allow them to sort of veg out for a bit. So these overachieving girls, they're tired. You know, and think about how we feel when we are chronically tired. You know, we can't learn properly. We can't eat. We can't, we can't manage our emotions. So there's all this pressure on making overachieving children. So sleep and play fits into the cracks of all the other scheduled activities. We think it should be the other way around, that we need to prioritise play and sleep. And then if there's time, we have these adult-led extracurricular activities. Uh, strong relationships. So if, if any parent of a girl will know how important friendships and often friendship conflicts are in a girl's life, um, they're often a huge issue. And this is really about getting ahead of the game and teaching girls those skills of friendship and building authentic relationships. Um, we, we often assume that people just learn this, you know, in the playground. Um, but if you have a look around so your workplace, at your colleagues or around the, the uh, you know, the Christmas table, we find that with our extended family, we often find that people actually didn't pick up those skills. 
Um, so it's really about teaching them in a quite deliberate way, these skills, um, so they can form meaningful and authentic relationships. And the other bonus of helping your daughter to develop strong relationship skills is that she'll have a better relationship with you. So that's the real sweetener to that one. And final, finally, authenticity. Um, it's about loving and nurturing the, the unique, wonderful girl that you have, not wishing and hoping that your, you know, your daughter had, was a different person. Maybe you know, you're academic and you want an academic um, daughter and she's, she's just a, uh, you know, in sports. Um, and maybe, you know, or vice versa, she might be, you know, you're into sports and she's into the, into just reading books. It's about accepting that. And I think there's often a moment of grief or a period of grief for, for parents there where they kind of like all, they have all these hopes and dreams for their daughter. And they realize actually that's not who she is. And it's being okay with that and supporting her to become the best version of herself. Because what we all want, all of us, including our children, is actually to be seen and love for who we are. And if, if our children know that, that we're going to help them be the best version that they are, then that just makes everything else in life easier. There's a lot there. So it was number one was the power perspective. I love that one. Number two was the body confidence, which completely agree. And three was body ownership, consent and things like that. Number four was calm. Number five was mastery and independence. Number six was strong relationships. Number seven, authenticity. So many awesome uh, little pieces of advice there. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today who have a young daughter going through this stage in life where they're, you know, feeling they're so focused on the outside instead of the inside? Mm -hmm. Real lesson that we had to learn ourselves. And it's the difference between stone parenting and seed parenting. So we started off as stone parents and look, both of these approaches come from love and wanting the best for our kids. And what it was is we had this idea of what the perfect child should be. And there's a lot of pressure on parents to be a good parent. You need an exceptional child and you just look at Facebook and everyone else's kids seems to be doing better than yours. And so there's all this pressure and we essentially picked up our chisels and we were sculpting away at this little girl that we to make her into what we thought she should be. And what we really learned throughout our research and also just watching our girls grow was that we needed to put down our chisels and pick up our watering can and allow our girls to bloom in their own time and in their own way. And our job was to support them to develop and find their own strength and their own interests rather than us trying to decide that for them. I love that. I've never heard of that one before, the stone parent and the seed parent. Yeah, we made that one up. I really like it. Yeah. I really, really like it. <laughs> so where can readers, uh, listeners go for more information uh, or to purchase a copy of your new book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves? So we have the book in hard copy, in ebook, and an audio book, and you can find it in all good bookstores or you can not find a bad one, not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find more information on our website, raisinggirlswholikethemselves.com. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your advice today. Even though I have sons, I found it really, really insightful uh, for all the all of my girlfriends that have, have daughters that I just, uh, I actually am with you completely. I never comment on the how they look. I'm always talking about their who they are and things like that. And I think it's really, really important as a society that we stop focusing on how the girls look and um, more talk about 
who they are as people and what's amazing about them as a, as a person. I, I love that um, and what you stand for. So thank you so much, uh, Casey and Dr. Christopher, for being on the show today. It was really wonderful to have you. Thank you thank for you. having us. If you're loving the Pack Mag Parenting Podcast, then you'll love our other channels. Follow Pack Mag on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? Wow, we learned so much on today's show. So number one was that young girls are being brought up in today's society with the messaging that beauty should be the most important thing in their life. Uh, so, which goes without saying, now we need to make our home a safe haven where bodies are accepted exactly how they are. Now the change starts with you. So if you are constantly speaking about the parts of your body that you wish you could change or you dislike, then your child is soon going to follow these thoughts towards their own body. So it's so important that we stop doing that with ladies, especially us ladies and men listening, please stop doing it to the women as well. It's really important to remind your child that they should aim to be the best and healthiest version of themselves rather than what others believe that what beauty actually is. Um, now, the seven characteristics of a girl were the power perspective, which was getting your daughter to see the world in a way that works for her rather than against her. Number two was body confidence. Focus on what bodies can do, not how they appear. Number three was body ownership. It's not permanent or harmful. Then get to they get to decide. Um, number four was mastering independence. Encourage your girls to try, struggle, fail, give things a go and get back up again and try again. Number five was the calm, giving our girls downtime to figure out who they are without constantly being measured. And number six was strong relationships, teaching girls how to build meaningful and authentic relationships. And number seven, authenticity. It's about loving and nurturing the unique and wonderful girl that they are. So, and I love this one. Are you a stone parent or a seed parent? Uh, like Casey said, it's time to put down your chisels and stop trying to create someone your daughter is not and pick up the watering can and allow your girls to bloom in their very own time and in their own way. Uh, so make sure you check out uh, Casey and Christopher's new book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. It's in all great bookstores and check out their webs websites, raisinggirlstolikethemselves.com. Incredible interview today. Absolutely loved it. And I hope even if uh, like me, you have sons, you have learned a lot about how we need to speak about the future generation of women and let's change this uh, this terrible statistic of 55% of Australian girls between seven and nine dissatisfied with their body. It's just, it's alarming. Let's do something to stop it. Well, that's it. Another show wrapped up. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Uh, all of us here at PacMag hope you you loved it. Please uh, leave a comment, uh, you know, share our podcast with those that you think need to hear it. We'd love uh, your support. Uh, remember, any important links can be found in the show notes and you can play all of our episodes on our website at pacmag.com.au slash podcast. And a big thank you to Casey Edwards and her husband, Dr. Christopher Scanlon, for all of the insights today. I am positive you got lots out of it. So, uh, and a big thank you to everyone else that made the show possible. Uh, until next time, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.